You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, day after the Pelicans fall in a pretty tough-fought game, actually, 122-116 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. That score is a whole lot more impressive when you hear the list of names that were out for the Pelicans. I'll tell you who that was in just a moment. Then we're going to look towards the trade deadline, kind of two segments on this coming up, starting with a listener question about Julius Randle. And then I'm going to tell you guys what I would do, which I think is probably the path the Pelicans are going to go down, whether you think that's good or bad. If I were the GM of this Pelicans team, I was asked this question on ESPN radio yesterday. So I'll kind of rephrase my answer here for you guys, dive into it a little bit more because I think it's important to understand the context and the framing of what we're going to see unfold over the next 13 days or so as we head towards the NBA's trade deadline. So let's dive into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before we get to the game, quickly, the NBA announced the All-Star starters for the upcoming All-Star game in Charlotte in a bit of a surprise, but not really a huge surprise. Anthony Davis was not, he was not named a starter in the Western Conference, the front court players being LeBron James, who's basically a lock. Then you had Kevin Durant and Paul George. Paul George and Anthony Davis tied after all the metrics were calculated and everything. And because Paul George had more votes in the fan voting, he was the, and that's the tiebreaker. That's what got him in as an all-star starter. So Anthony Davis will be one of the reserves for the Western Conference. You know what? There were five guys in the front court who realistically could make a claim that they should start. You've got LeBron James, the most popular player in the league. That's fine. Like He's going to get in on the fan voting, which essentially counts for two-thirds of it. Then you have Paul George, who's been an MVP candidate for a lot of the year. You have Kevin Durant, who's Kevin freaking Durant. All three of those guys are deserved starters. So is Anthony Davis, who's having the best statistical year of his career. Maybe he's hurt by missing some games more recently and by the lack of success that his team is having. Then the other guy I think you could say realistically should be a starter in there would be Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. He's been outstanding. He's such a different type of big. All five of those guys could easily make the claim to be starters. So I don't think, you know, it's really wrong to say that the three guys, you know, who got in are wrong or that, you know, Anthony Davis was robbed. It just kind of is what it is. It's the all-star game. It's ultimately not that important. So not going to really spend much time on it here, though. Certainly we'll talk about the actual all-star game when we get to that point. But tonight or last night was about basketball here. The Pelicans taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder, losing 122-116. Great. Another loss, right? And then you look at who didn't play in this one, and that would be uh, Anthony Davis, who's out. They mentioned Nikola Mirotich, who didn't play in this one, who's out. I'll mention more about his injury a little bit later on. And then you've also got 
each one more who was benched with rest and is probably going to sit out maybe another game or so as the Pelicans hit this really tough stretch. And then suddenly right before tip-off, despite not being on the injury report earlier in the day, Julius Randle was scratched from this one. Uh, and so I think everything kind of just was going wrong for the Pelicans. And you had to figure they weren't going to be in this one. That's Four guys who average double figures. The only other guy for the Pelicans who does that is Drew Holiday, who did play in this one. And he was outstanding after a very slow first half. He got it going, particularly in the fourth quarter. He battled, you guys. 22 points on the night, 13 assists, 9 rebounds. One rebound shy of a triple-double. He had four steals as well. It was 3 of 8 from deep, 9 of 19 overall from the field. He did everything he could to keep the Pelicans in this one. Jaleel Okafor in another start, his third straight, 18 points on just 12 shots. Eight rebounds as well, and only one turnover for him. That's pretty good. I'm going to talk about him more in the second segment, which I recorded before this, and now I'm glad to know it doesn't really kill everything that I'm going to be talking about upcoming. So you'll hear more on him in a little bit. Darius Miller, also in the starting lineup, hit five threes in this one en route to 21 points. Solomon Hill could not buy a three or get even close to the rim. He was 0 for 3 from deep, but finished with 7 points. Then you had Alfred Payton, 15 points, 12 assists on the night. Look, they battled. They were down at half after the third quarter and down by as many as 20 points in this one, 22. And they battled back in the third quarter to win that, or sorry, fourth quarter to win 34-24. They did not give up when it would have been very easy for this team to do that. So nice to see from them. Russell Westbrook is very good at basketball. Had an incredible line in this one if you watched him play. 23 points, 16 assists, 17 rebounds to go with four turnovers. He's not shooting well, jump shooting wise, or from deep. But man, that guy can get to the rim and score when he needs to. Paul George was excellent as well. 23 points, 7 assists, 11 rebounds. Steven Adams was a monster for the Thunder, particularly in the first half. 20 points on the night, 13 boards for him. I think three straight possessions of just punishing the Pelicans down low. New Orleans just was outgunned in this one, and the fact that they kept it close is a testament to them. Also probably due to the fact that Oklahoma City wasn't trying nearly as much as they normally would have. But still, good effort from the Pelicans despite being down, you know, four of their five best players. Not really much else to say. Like, they were going to probably lose this game. I think it's maybe a nice little consolation prize that they have they stayed in it. But overall, I mean, they just were outmanned. And you saw it at times. And good for them for kind of fighting. Uh, rough moments for rookie Frank Jackson late in the game. Had a layup that he missed due to some defense by Russell Westbrook on a fast break. They missed a game-tying or go-ahead three. I forget what it was. Or the one that would have put him down two, I think. Uh, late in the fourth quarter. Trying to come up big with the clutch shots. Couldn't do it. He did finish with 12 points on the night. But he was 0 of five from deep. So New Orleans drops this one. Now they look forward to the Spurs on Saturday. This is the tough part of the schedule and the Pelicans have lost five out of their last six now. And with that losing streak, we got to look towards the NBA trade deadline as this Pelicans team tries to figure out whether they're buyers 
or sellers and what they're going to do. But also, every team in the NBA is doing that right now. And if you need to catch up on all of the rumors, all of the moves, and there's a lot going on right now, and it can be difficult to keep up with it all, the Locked On NBA podcast has you covered. Monday through Friday, recapping everything you need to know around the league. The games from the night before that you didn't watch, there's a lot of them usually. Get caught up with Locked On NBA as we keep you up to date with all of the latest rumors and news. And of course, I host every Wednesday alongside John Krause of Locked On Celtics. We have a lot of fun on there. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. So the trade deadline is less than two weeks away, which means we're going to be focused on that a lot over these next two weeks. And this led to an interesting question coming in through the Locked On Pelicans phone line. If you do want to become part of the show, get your question in. Please dial in. It's 504-321-0448. So I'm going to play this one here because it leads to an interesting discussion that I think is going to be pretty good to have of Jaleel Okafor versus Julius Randle and what the Pelicans should maybe do at the trade deadline. So I'm going to let Andrew take it away here. Hey, um, Jake big fan of the podcast. Uh, this is Andrew from uh, Baton Rouge. I was wondering if uh, at what point do we bench Julius Randle for not playing defense or at least look into trading him? And is it even possible to get somebody to trade uh, for Julius Randle? Thank you. Andrew, thanks for calling in. And that is a really good question, kind of both sides of it. In terms of the benching, I don't think you can right now with Anthony Davis injured and now with Miritich looking to be out for, and this is coming from Alvin Gentry, a while with that right calf strain is going to be reevaluated in a few days, no timetable set. And Alvin Gentry said it would likely, it, could, it this is a quote, could be a while with him, so, end quote. So yeah, I don't think you can really play Randall less right now. Uh, because of the injuries. But say this team's completely healthy in a week, and then you've got a week before the trade deadline, a little bit less than that. And I think this is an interesting question. Do you need to decrease his minutes? And the answer is probably yes. Look, he's having a very good season and is putting up career-high numbers. And they're impressive. Don't, like, don't get me wrong. Randall's averaging 19.9 points per game, 9.3 rebounds, 3 assists um, during the season while also shooting 54.4%. Um, he has enough range to shoot from 3. That's a nice thing at the very least. And, you know, almost 20 points on just 13 and a half shots per game. Pretty good, actually, all things considered. And he can start, he can come off the bench. He fills whatever role you need to. But man, we've seen issues. It's that lack of defense entirely. Like he is not a good system defender or anything like that. One-on-one, he's he's okay. But he's not great on the perimeter. He's not particularly great inside. I thought he was a bit of a more underrated rim protector in L.A. Not the case here, and maybe I was just completely wrong about that. And now it's compounded by the fact that Jaleel Okafor is playing better. And I'm going to admit this. I'm recording this ahead of last night's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So we're going to look at the past two starts. So if he had a bad game in that one, I'm not going back and redoing this because I really like this question. I wanted to talk about it. So, over the past two games, two starts for Jalil Okafor, 33.2 minutes per game. He's taking 12 field goal attempts. He's shooting 70.8% from the field, and he's giving you 10 rebounds alongside 18.5 points. When his minutes have gone up, the numbers have looked good. 
But it's two games, so I was curious what the per 36-minute numbers looked like between Julius Randle and looked like for uh, Jaleel Okafor. So when you look at him per 36 minutes, Okafor is taking 13.7 shots per game. Randle's taking 16.3, so it's about three more or so per game. Randle is averaging 24.2 points per game. Okafor is giving you 18.6, so a difference of six points there. Those three shots kind of makes a little bit of sense. So that's somewhat comparable, though, I, I think. You know, they're giving you the exact same amount of rebounds, basically 11 and a half. Uh, you've got Okafor getting more blocks, and you saw that full-on display uh, the other night against the Detroit Pistons when he had six. He has fewer turnovers per 36 minutes. Randall's averaging three. Okafor's giving you two. And so I think this is actually pretty comparable if you look at those numbers. So if you think you can get that kind of production out of Jaleel Okafor, you might want to consider trading Randall, especially when you consider the fact that you're not likely to re-sign him. The entirety, basically, of the NBA has money this coming off season. I don't think it's necessarily going to be that he'll just take, you know, that 11, 12, 13, whatever it would be, million dollar deal with the Pelicans that they can sign for basically, you know, 120% of what he's making this year, 125, I forget off the top of my head. He easily might be able to get something like four for 80 or maybe four for 60, somewhere like 15 a year. The Pelicans can't offer him that. And also he can get it on a four year deal or so. That's going to be really appealing to a guy who hasn't made like big, big NBA money just yet. And being able to sign that and have long-term security is often a very appealing thing for NBA players. So the fact that you're not likely going to be able to re-sign him means maybe you should trade him versus letting him walk for nothing. And then you get Jaleel Okafor to kind of take that increased role. Okafor's defense has arguably been better. So maybe you're not losing too much by doing this. The issue then becomes of trying to find a trade partner and salaries that match if you're just trading Randall and say a first round pick. Him making, you know, a little under nine million this year isn't going to be an easy trade to kind of match and get someone of quality or significant quality in return. You'd likely need to package him alongside a guy like Solomon Hill, maybe Wes Johnson as well, to kind of build you up to a bigger salary when they're aggregated and then bring someone back in return. The thing again is whatever team receiving Randall, they're not going to have his bird rights either because the Pelicans don't have it. They can offer him the same type of contract. So he's likely, unless they're really going to have the cap space and want to re-sign him, you know, they don't necessarily have the inside track on it. But it does give you a rental on a guy who you can take a good long look at and see if you do want to re-sign, whether it's restricted or unrestricted or what have you. Similar to maybe what the, the Suns have done with Kelly uh, Oubre Jr., where, you know, they traded for him. He's a restricted free agent. They're giving him a good long look if they want to throw money at him. But it could be the same thing, you know, for Randall or someone else, or not to the Suns, but to another team. Get to watch him play. Do you like him? Well, you can probably then spend the next, you know, six months pitching him on re-signing with the team and kind of planning around that. I think there is an advantage in that. The problem is finding trade partners that make the salaries work. And then when you start to put more guys in there, it just gets confusing. I threw the one out on Twitter the other day about trading for Conley, Mike Conley of the uh, Memphis Grizzlies of Randall, Solomon Hill, alongside each one more, and maybe Wes Johnson and Frank Jackson, five guys going out. For Mike Conley, uh, was it Jeff Green and someone 
else on the team and uh, Omri Caspi, um, or maybe get Garrett Temple in there too. I think that's a trade that you could potentially do. So I think that's kind of what they're looking to. But yeah, I think at this point, like I'm so ready to move on from Julius Randle. The numbers look great. They truly do, but not sold on this dude whatsoever. One thing I'm not, and I got asked this on the ESPN radio here in New Orleans, the sports hangover with Gus Kattengill on 100.3 of what would I do if I was the GM of the New Orleans Pelicans? I wouldn't just sell to sell and bring in draft picks and kind of admit defeat on this. And I'll tell you why coming right up. So I was on ESPN radio 100.3 here in New Orleans uh, with Gus Kattengill on the sports hangover yesterday. And he asked me a question and it was basically just, What would you do if you were the GM of the Pelicans right now? You step into the role. And I had to think for a second because, and I tweeted this out the other day, when we thought the Anthony Davis injury could be two to four weeks, so you're looking at potentially a month. And that was that, you know, this team is right on the edge of it being irresponsible to trade that future first-round pick in this upcoming draft that easily could be a lottery pick. So I think that's something you've got to keep in mind is, you know what, if you really aren't going to make the playoffs, and right now it's looking more and more like they won't versus getting in, now things could change. What if you were to look at it today? That's kind of the way you're feeling, particularly with Moore out, with Nico out, with Anthony Davis out. You're not going to win very many games against this upcoming tough schedule that it would be irresponsible because that's a lottery pick and you can't just do that if you're going to trade a guy uh, you know, for a player who's just adding more money, complicates your salary cap, and then if Anthony Davis does leave, it makes it harder to rebuild. And with all of that kind of being true today, it makes you feel like maybe the Pelicans should sell and that they should just kind of fold it on up and try and kind of figure this out and start planning for the long term. And I want to say yes to all of that, but I can't. And the, the it's it has to do with the more I think about it. So I paused in the moment there because that question on radio, live radio, kind of caught me off guard and I had to really think about it for a moment. And I think part of it is... You still have Anthony Davis here. You you can make this drag out as long as you want until he's an actual free agent, which he won't be until after next season. So if you're that committed to keeping him, and if you're Dell Demps, you know you're going to lose your job anyway. If he's gone, and he will, they're going to clean house if that's the case. Why not just continue to go with it? And as a smaller market team, looking at what the Grizzlies are going through, where there have been some reports that you know that team cannot handle a rebuild and the lack of interest in a rebuilding team, I think there's serious concerns about that here in New Orleans. Not necessarily about them moving or anything like that, but how it affects the long-term future of the team with all of that too. And that's an important thing to keep in mind. Look, yeah, I, I know people think there's going to be like a war chest coming back in the event of an Anthony Davis trade. It's like I can re, you know, rebuild on the fly. You, you could end up in the exact same situation as, as you are now in seven more years when you really think about it. Say you trade him to the Celtics for Jason Tatum and a bunch of first-round picks. Those aren't going to be great first-round picks. You have maybe the Kings one or the Grizzlies one coming back to you. Those aren't necessarily good, depending. The Grizzlies is going to probably stay with the Grizzlies for a while. The Kings are going to be high lottery or like low lottery pick at best. And then you have the Celtics picks, which are going to be in the last five of the draft. That's not like high draft picks where you're like, hell yeah, we're going to grab a stud and rebuild. Then you get Jay 
Jason Tatum, who in two years is going to go through restricted free agency. So you re-sign him that way. And then four years after that, you're going through this all again with Jason Tatum instead of Anthony Davis. I'd rather just try and keep Anthony Davis and kind of avoid all of that. And all those draft picks can be great, but if you don't hit on those draft picks... It doesn't do you any good. And we have no idea if a Dell Demps can really kind of make the right call on draft picks. The records may be spotty at best. And there's really, it's more incomplete than anything with how many he's traded. Buddy Heald's starting to look good now. Would he have thrived here in New Orleans? Who knows? Um, Austin Rivers certainly wasn't worth the 10th overall pick in that draft, though there weren't really anyone else after him that was like particularly great. So, you know, that you kind of look at it like that and it's like, eh, whatever. We don't know who else he was targeting or anything like that. So I think that's something that you've really got to look at. So why would you trade him when you have a chance to just at least try and sell him and keep him here and convince him to stay and you go all in with that? You know, if you're going to go through a rebuild, then you can go through different kinds of them. So I don't think there's a need to be sellers right now. And I think, you know, again, they really do believe in this team, maybe more so than everyone else here in New Orleans, that when healthy, which is a huge if, and like, when is that day ever going to come? They were fully healthy for a week and not winning, um, that they can get into the playoffs and make some noise. And one thing I said, and I said this on Twitter uh, yesterday, no, everyone's looking at it. Well, if he turns down the Supermax or this or that. They might not offer, obviously they'll offer him the Supermax, but he'll, they'll sign him to whatever the hell deal he wants to sign. He wants a one-in-one -one deal. They will sign him to that and they will give him that money. So maybe he kind of looks at this and goes, okay, I'll sign a, a one-in-one one -one deal and be here for at least one more year. Gives you time. I don't think it's like Supermax or bust necessarily. I would say things certainly don't look good at him staying here in New Orleans right now. But I think you've got to try and keep the star guy that you have. You never know what's going to happen. It's a bird in hand situation. It's a devil you know situation where you've got this here. I'm not really going to put my faith in the draft picks that aren't or nebulous ideas and aren't actual players right now. And so I think I would not sell and I'd, I'd trade the first round pick, even if it maybe is a little bit reckless. And I'm admitting this and saying it is. But I think you've got to. For a small market team to keep a top five player in the NBA, you've got to kind of pull out all the stops, even if it does mean mortgaging the future. Because there might not be a future much further down the line if Anthony Davis isn't here. And it's much more likely that there is a future if you do keep him. So screw the future. You've got to focus on it right now because this is kind of your one chance. So if I were GM of the team, I would not be selling, even though kind of objectively I get in a vacuum from maybe an on-court building the quickest contender team in the near in the foreseeable future or whatever future it is, is probably the way to go. I just don't think that that's a very realistic thing for a small market team to do or necessarily any team to do. So for that reason, almost I, alone, I'm not selling and I'm trying to trade for a guy to kind of put a better team around this. And hopefully they just catch fire down the stretch like they did last season. Or at least that's today, because honest to God, in like seven days, depending on how some of these games go over the next like six or so that we've covered, I might not be singing the same tune for everything. So we'll see how it goes. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pels. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Pelicans taken on the San Antonio Spurs back home in the Smoothie King Center. Maybe that can help them a little bit. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all on Monday to recap the weekend.